Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. We are now in episode 46. Can you believe that? Time flies. Time's actually been very strange since the start of the pandemic in general. But one of the things I would love for you to do for me is take a minute right now to just rate and review this podcast. It really helps. And in this episode, episode 46, we're going to be talking about nausea in pregnancy and its impact on mental health. Morning sickness is really common in pregnancy. And I think that's a little bit of a misnomer sometimes because it's not something that just happens in the morning. And there's also the stereotype that it tends to happen just in the first trimester. But certainly I've known many women, and you may be one of them, who's had the experience of nausea much longer than just the first 12 or 13 weeks of pregnancy. And then when it gets really severe, there's a term called hyperemesis gravidarum. And you may have heard that term if you yourself experience this really severe type of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, or you may have heard that in the media. One of the most, I think, famous cases of this condition was Kate Middleton. And I think in the news, she was experiencing this in multiple pregnancies that she's had. And this is a pretty serious condition. It can lead to dehydration and other medical complications and require hospitalization. And the reason that I'm talking about this condition and a little bit more generally nausea in pregnancy is that it's something that so many of my patients present with. And just this week, I had another patient who was diagnosed with hyperemesis gravidarum in pregnancy. It's something that affects our mental health. It can impact mood, lead to depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. And you might be saying to yourself, duh, Dr. Glazer, if you're throwing up all day, you're going to feel depressed too. But it can also be helpful to think about why that is. And there's both physiological and psychological explanations. From a physiological perspective, there's potentially insufficient nutrition and insufficient nutrients that are getting to the body. And we've talked before about how nutrition impacts our mental health. Psychologically speaking, feeling unwell can definitely impact quality of life and impact the ability to have the kind of pregnancy that you may want for yourself. There was actually a study in 2012. It was a prospective study of about 200 women, and it showed that women with hyperemesis gravidarum had higher rates of depression. In that hyperemesis group, about 35% of the women had mild depression, 26% moderate, and almost 18% had severe while only 5% of the women in the control group had mild depression, and 95% actually had no depression. So it's definitely a relationship between depression and severe nausea in pregnancy. And we've spoken before about the risks of depression in pregnancy. I'm not going to go into the details of that now, but there's definitely an impact both on obstetrical outcomes as well as postpartum depression and the neurodevelopment of the baby. It can also impact mental health many years later. There was a really interesting study that came out just this past year that found that women with hyperemesis gravidarum had higher rates of anxiety, depression, and PTSD four and a half years later. That's a long time. 
And I want to take just a moment to focus on the PTSD, the post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis. The diagnosis itself is one that has many criteria. And that criteria includes the fact that there has to be a trauma where you or someone that you witnessed was harmed or was at risk of serious harm. And I think it's something that you can imagine if you're having really severe nausea and vomiting, having those kinds of thoughts like, I'm going to die or my baby is going to die, those can definitely cross your mind. And that leads to that experience of pregnancy as a type of trauma because of the hyperemesis. And some additional symptoms could also be things like irritability or avoidance of certain reminders, hypervigilance or hyperarousal. Those are all common symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And that was something that was seen in that study in women who experienced hyperemesis. In fact, about 22% of the women in the study who experienced hyperemesis screened positive for PTSD and more actually screened positive for anxiety and depression. And we do know that there's mental health consequences of that. There is an impact, for example, on future family planning. It could also impact the relationship with the partner and bonding with the child, work performance, and much, much more. That's why we're talking about this here. You may be asking, well, what about non-hyperemesis gravidarm? What about more commonplace nausea and vomiting in pregnancy? Because 70% of women, like I mentioned, have nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, and that can significantly impact quality of life and functioning. For example, if you're someone who is a working professional and you're trying to take a meeting while also feeling really nauseous, how are you supposed to be present in the meeting? If you are someone who has older children, how are you supposed to take care of your toddler or your other kids when you're feeling really nauseous and you're having to run to the bathroom repeatedly because you're feeling nauseous and you have to vomit? How do you be present with a partner and enjoy a meal together? Something as simple as enjoying a meal together can become a real challenge when you're experiencing these kinds of symptoms. So there's definitely an impact on quality of life. And there's been a couple of studies that have looked at this question of more commonplace nausea vomiting in pregnancy. Not as many as have looked at the more severe form, the hyperemesis gravidarum form, but there have been a few, and they did confirm an association between the experience of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy and depression during pregnancy and postpartum. Some of the data actually also suggests that support makes a difference in a woman's perception of the experience and therefore mental state. And I want to emphasize that here because this is something that we actually can influence. We have control here. What does that mean? That means that if you're experiencing nausea and vomiting, but you still feel like you need to, quote unquote, do all the things, that can worsen mental health compared to if you are experiencing nausea and vomiting and you have support from any number of places. For example, your partner who might take over tasks that you normally handle at home, or your boss who's able to make some accommodations, or your doctor talking about ways to help you feel better. It's another one of those things that we sometimes think this is just the way it is. Kind of like what I've talked about premenstrual symptoms. With premenstrual symptoms, sometimes there's just this belief that, oh, this is just the way it is and there's nothing that can be done about it. This is just something that I have to, as a woman, go through because I'm going through this experience. And this is similar where nausea and vomiting in pregnancy is often thought to be something that, oh, I just have to kind of go through and there's nothing I can do about it. 
But it doesn't have to be that way. There's definitely ways to treat it from both ends, both from the perspective of the nausea and vomiting and also from the mental health end. Treating the nausea and vomiting is possible. I would encourage you to speak with your OBGYN about taking medication potentially for nausea, depending on the severity of that nausea, or perhaps working with a pregnancy-oriented nutritionist to figure out, okay, what are the type of foods and nutrition that I can eat in order to be able to sustain myself and my growing baby during the experience of this nausea? And there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of stigma associated with taking any kind of medication or treatment in pregnancy. I've definitely worked with women who are concerned about taking anti-nausea medication because they feel like this is another one of those things that they just need to quote-unquote power through, similarly to the way that we often think about, unfortunately, depression as opposed to getting treatment for it. And the way that I think about taking medication in pregnancy, whether it's anti-nausea medication or other things, is this underlying foundation that what is good for mom is good for baby. I'm going to say that just one more time because I think it's so important. What is good for mom is good for baby. And that means that if you are having severe symptoms of nausea and vomiting and you might need to take medication for it, that's going to be helpful for both you and the baby because you're going to be treating your nausea. You're going to be able to take in better nutrients. You're going to be able to take better care of yourself. And it's also going to help your mental health. And we do know about that association as well. But that's the second part is you could treat the nausea and vomiting, which I think is important. And then I think separately treating the anxiety, depression, and other kinds of mental health symptoms that arise from just feeling so physically unwell, both from a psychological and physiological perspective, and experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression in pregnancy. Those are also treatable. Just as an aside, I want to mention here, so it's on a related topic, is emetophobia, which is a fear of vomiting. And sometimes it can be really severe enough to make it hard to choose to get pregnant, given that we know nausea can be so common, 70%, in pregnancy. The thing about emetophobia is that it's actually very treatable. And I've had a number of patients with this emetophobia. And the primary type of treatment is similar to the type of treatment that we might use for things like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. It's exposure and response prevention type of treatment. And that doesn't mean that your therapist is going to tell you to go throw up and you guys are going to work on it that way. It really starts from a much more basic place of, for example, maybe the exposure is that you're reading a story where someone might be feeling nauseous or you're doing some visualization exercises and you're working on the anxiety that comes up when you have that exposure and you work on doing response prevention types of techniques and skills together. So if you do experience emetophobia and it's impacting your quality of life and your functioning and maybe your family building plans, then I would encourage you to find a therapist that specializes in ERP, exposure and response prevention, to help you work through that because it's definitely treatable. And to summarize, nausea in pregnancy Vomiting in pregnancy, really common. About 70% of women experience that. In a small percentage, on the order of about 2% of cases, there can be a really severe form called hyperemesis gravidarum. And both forms are associated with an increased risk of mental health symptoms like depression and anxiety. And both the nausea vomiting as well as the depression and anxiety are treatable. So if you're experiencing those kinds of symptoms or if you know someone who is, I would strongly encourage you 
to connect with your OBGYN or your mental health clinician and get the help that you need. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Better.